Well, that particular hymn, Sweet By and By, is probably one of the most of us, uh, had been one of the ones that most of us have been singing all throughout our years growing up. It was written about 160 years ago, right about at the close of the Civil War, or what is also known as the War Between the States. And I've often thought about that time, learning about that history, and I've often wondered if those people, because of the trials and the difficulties they faced, if that brought them just a little bit closer, closer to heaven and an appreciation for the idea of heaven as well. Surely, whenever we go through difficulties and trials within our lives, we might like to sing these songs in the night. And it's a pleasant thought of heaven that really comes to mind because heaven is a reminder that we will not stay in this life forever. Heaven is a reminder of the better things they are to come. Heaven reminds us of a great reward. One that we will be able to, uh, to attain one day if we have been found faithful here on this earth. And so heaven is something that is stored up in the heart of the faithful child of God. And every one of us should desire to go to heaven and we should desire to go there. That should be our goal, to go to heaven. I've often said that there is more to Christianity just than just avoiding the place called hell. There's more to Christianity than just avoiding the place called hell and gaining the place called heaven. There is that great blessing of Christianity. And that's that we can be forgiven of our sins. As we talked about this morning, when we talked about salvation, the forgiveness of our sins through Christ when he shed his blood on that cross for you and for me. We had the pleasure to imitate him to become more like him. And that can be a very noble goal for any person's life. But how wonderful it is to know that when this life is over, it's not over. Isn't that wonderful to think about? When this life is over, it's not over because there will be eternal life. There's more to come. And for the Christian the best is yet to come, isn't it? Well, some of the greatest heroes of faith have been those who have looked ahead to heaven and they could see that place, the home of the soul, through faith. They knew that there was a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, you can see it afar. In reality, it's, it's not that far away, is it? I mean, after all, it was David who said that there's a step just between me and death. And if death opens up to us, there is the reality of heaven and heaven's just not that far away. We oftentimes talk about just how close the Lord is to us. Is he close to you? Is he close to me? We desire to be close to him. So when our loved ones leave us to go to be with the Lord, if we say the Lord is near us, then we are ensured that our loved ones are not that far away either. And that's also a pleasant thought as well. 
But the idea behind the song that there's a land that is fairer than day and that we can see it in the by and by is a precious thing. And it gets more and more, more precious the older we get. Many of the old timers would talk about the by and by. Even though life's been tough and oftentimes we face difficult trials, it's in that by and by, the sweet by and by, that all will be well. That's not just wishful thinking, is it? You see, that's all grounded in biblical hope and biblical truth. And so biblical hope is, of course, that expectation with anticipation. We expect to be a part of that place called heaven in the by and by. Now, what is some of these Old Testament characters, for example, what is it that they think about heaven? Well, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that in verse 10, that he looked for a city with its foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Well, Moses himself even decided to put his faith and trust in the Christ to come because he realized that there was a great reward to come to him if he would do that. Now, Abraham and or Moses, or any of the Old Testament faithful, they could see through the eye of faith. And likewise, those we read about in the New Testament who are great heroes of faith, those who were great heroes of faith, they too had thought about that heavenly home, and it was not that far away for them as well. And as Paul comes to the end of his journey, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, he says, I'm I'm now ready to be offered. You know, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Now the song says, by faith we can see it afar, isn't that what Paul was talking about? We go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and, and chapter 5 as well. And he concludes chapter 4 by talking about that heavenly home. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Those things that we can't see right now with a physical eye, they are eternal. They are eternal. Those things that, that uh, he says there in chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal where? In the heavens for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. And then in verse 7 he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Walking by faith. And so by faith we can see it afar. But faith comes through our knowledge. It also comes through an understanding of the will of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this, he said, the most precious promise, I, I, I suppose that it was the most precious promise he ever made. He said, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14, 1 through 3. Wow. Some people make promises and they can't keep them. But when it comes to the Lord and he makes a promise, he always keeps his promise. Therefore, when Jesus says, here's what's going to happen, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. And Jesus says to his faithful, let not your heart be troubled. Because you believe in God, then believe in me as well. And he says, I'm going to prepare this place for you. For the Father is preparing this for us. And this is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way. And he's preparing us this place that is above. And so the song emphasizes that, that marvelous, marvelous theme that's recorded throughout Scripture, that there is a heavenly home and that Jesus promised us and he's gone to prepare that place for us. Every one of us, not willing that any should perish, but that heaven is big enough for all those who have already died and gone on to the reward but also those who are alive today has an opportunity to feel heaven. But we know that not many will do that. But the apostles were very much troubled at the thought that Jesus was leaving them. And you can understand why. They put their trust in him. They studied in his school. They walked with him. They'd seen all that he can do. And now he's talking about leaving them. Lord, we don't, we don't see what, what, what the purpose is of you leaving us. I mean, we, it's just been a short time that you've been with us. But John 14, when you study the apostles who were listening to Jesus speak, they were at a very low point in their life at this time because they don't want the Lord to go away. That, that's why he's having to comfort them and, and give them these words of comfort, these words of assurance. And Jesus is also the comforter. And he says, I'm going somewhere, but I'm not forgetting you. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm, I'm just going to just leave you hanging, but I'm going to help you in understanding more about what I've been teaching you for the past three years so that you can then be able to go on and preach the word. And so I'm going somewhere, but I'm also preparing something for you and I'm going somewhere and I'm going to come back to receive you unto myself. Now we need to be reminded of this message and, and we need to be reminded often. You see, because we get troubled. We get troubled, don't we? And we endure certain trials in life and they just seem to uh, they get us down. But we're encouraged to God's word to be faithful and we're encouraged to be patient and long-suffering, to endure and not faint, Galatians 6, 9. And so we don't want to faint. We want to keep our focus. And we don't want to become discouraged, even though sometimes perhaps we do. But when we do, we have that song in the night. 
the sweet by and by. I'd like to encourage you to, to take a copy of that song and, and, and just think about those words. Think about it as we just sang them just a few moments ago. And we're going to be singing those as the invitation of our Lord as well or as an encouragement to the invitation of our Lord. So that we can have perhaps be able to listen to those words because they have meaning. The sweet by and by. That greatly encourages you and me that there is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. What are some things people have to endure today? Physical pain. People all around us are suffering physically. It just saddens me when I hear that somebody says that uh, they're now under hospice care. It just, it just saddens me to even think about that. That, it is, that time has come for them in their life that, that uh, hospice has come in. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's the end of life because I've seen some that come out of hospice. But, but we know what that means. We know that if, even if it might not be this time, it will be down the road. That most of us have family members who suffer physically somewhere or, or the other. And there are those people who are suffering financially, for example. People who are, are financially stricken, poverty stricken. There are those who seek employment, cannot find it. There are those who really are suffering from traumatic uh, experiences Maybe because of watching a loved one who's seriously ill to, to finally pass on to their reward or maybe the grieving of the loss of someone very dear to them. It could have been just a, a co-worker, somebody that they looked up to, somebody that they uh, had a lot of uh, interaction with. Faith in heaven is that which helps us to cope or to endure through these kind of troublesome times. You know, sometimes we sing another song that might be good for our study in the next few weeks called Tempted and Tried. Right? Tempted and Tried. And we oftentimes wonder why there are those who seemingly do not have any concern about the Lord. Why do they prosper? And, and those who love the Lord seemingly do not prosper. Well, we're reminded that there is a great reward a reward that is awaiting those who love God and who are committed to Him. I'm amazed at how often the Bible comforts those of us who are Christians. If only we will just study these passages. And we've talked about getting the, the knowledge of God's Word embedded into our minds. And we think about how oftentimes the second coming of Christ and heaven itself is is thus used to comfort us as Christians as well. Very, very important. We, we just study in the New Testament. I thought of several passages that come to mind in preparation for this particular message. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, here's a passage that I often quote at the funeral service of a Christian or at the graveside of a Christian. But here's the passage where Paul says, don't be ignorant. For he, remember, he says, don't be ignorant of some of these things. Uh, for example, don't be ignorant concerning them which have died. Verse 13. Don't be ignorant of those that are asleep. He says, don't be sorrowful as others who have no hope. Because why? You have hope. 
Isn't that interesting? And remember, hope is expectation with anticipation. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Sure you do. And notice he goes on to say, but I would have you, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know, what you do with all that, Paul says, I'll tell you what you need to do with those passages of scriptures. Because in verse 18 he says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Isn't that wonderful? To really think about that. Comfort each other with these words when times get tough. When things are difficult. Remember Jesus is coming again. As a matter of fact he says when life seems so unfair. When it seems just like the other side is prospering. Don't give up. Don't be overly discouraged. Because after all Jesus is coming. And he's coming to do what? Well, he's coming to settle matters, right? Take comfort in knowing that all the accounts are going to be settled. He is still king. He is still our judge. He's still the one that is coming again. And so we are not to be weary in well-doing. We're to continue on and persevere, keeping our focus where it needs to be. That's on heaven. To be with God and Christ. But consider how that Jesus has not only promised this place called heaven, but likewise he is preparing it. He is preparing it. Now I, I don't know what all that entails because that after all he is powerful you know God is powerful and so is Christ Jesus. But Jesus still said I'm going to go and I'll be gone for a while but during that time now I'm going to be preparing this place for each one of you. I'm going to prepare this place. I'm getting it ready for you. And is that not a pleasant thought? That while we are here on this earth, going about our lives, seeking to please Him, God, and His Son, Christ Jesus, the divine Godhead is working on our behalf, getting heaven ready for us. Now the song that we were singing, the sweet by and by, speaks of the great fellowship that we're going to enjoy when we get to that place called heaven. Not only with the divine Godhead, but when we get to heaven, we also have the fellowship that we can enjoy with one another. And that fellowship with God brings peace to us now, but just think of the peace that it shall bring when we see him face to face for the very first time. I like this passage because it speaks of the things that we endure now. We go to Revelation 21 and verse 4 and we find that 
God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be no more pain for the former things, for things of the past that have gone, they have passed away. No longer. This is going to be a wonderful occasion because when we get to heaven, these things will no longer be there. No longer be there. But we're not talking about just a state of mind. We're literally talking about a place. Because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's described in Revelation 21, of which our children know that that talk is about heaven. Revelation 21. And of that marvelous hymn that greatly encourages, written by S. Tedley, he talks about that heavenly home. He talks about out on the hills of that beautiful country, happy, contented, and free. That's heaven, he says. Sometimes described as a glorious city. Sometimes used or described as a pleasant countryside. It's all going to be so wonderful. Earth holds no treasures that perish with using. But Tedley says, heaven holds all to me. Brother Jim sang that song earlier that tells us that heaven holds all for you and me. Heaven holds all. It's a very, very real place. It has a a location. You know, when Jesus left this earth, you remember in Acts 1 and verse 11 that talks about Jesus ascending on high. And the angels that were close by said to the apostles, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye seen him go into heaven. So Jesus was going to a particular place. It's a place that's identified as the home of the soul. Now, there in Revelation 21, it is described, this land that is fairer than day, it is described as a place that's very, very large. And that, that's what stands out to me. It's described as a very glorious city, a marvelous country. And in Revelation 21, the, the city lieth four square length that is large as the breath. We're talking about a place that is a home for the soul of the faithful and plenty of room. You you don't get to heaven and find the the no vacancy sign, right? Because there's plenty of room for you and for me in this place called heaven. A place that is not only very large, but very, very beautiful as well. We find also described there in Revelation 21, and I suppose the best way that we can understand it, as being garnished with all kinds of beautiful stone. You probably heard me tell the story about the little boy who was blind, and he, of course, uh, was loved by his parents, and they sought the very best doctors and care for him, but he had never seen the light of day, never looked upon the face of his mother, but when He was about seven or eight years old. The doctors came in and they said uh, to the parents, they said, you know, we we believe that we have a particular surgery that we can do on his eyes that will allow him to be able to see. 
And they thought, oh, that's so wonderful. We, we want that. We, there, there's nothing to lose. So they said, go ahead. And so the operation was then performed and the bandages come off that little boy's eyes. And for the very first time, he, he looked into the face of the one that he loved as his mother. And he saw his mother's face for the very first time. How beautiful. How beautiful it was to see his mother. He then wanted to look out the window and he looked down. He saw the sun shining so bright and a beautiful lake below and ducks out on the pond and, and trees are blooming and the grass growing, beautiful green. And he says to his mother, why didn't you tell me just how beautiful it was? Why, why didn't you tell me how wonderful it really is? And she said, but honey, I tried to tell you, but I just couldn't find the words. I've often thought, would we say to John when we get to heaven, why didn't you describe heaven just a little bit better? A little bit better for us to be able to wonder and and to be able to see the beauty within our own eyes of what you described. Why didn't you describe it just a little bit better? But he tried with words that we can understand, directed by the Holy Spirit of God. But we read about its beauty, but somehow we know its glory has never been told. It's, it's, it's more beautiful than what has been described by John. And so when I read about, uh, read Revelation 21, I'm reminded that heaven is a large place and it's beautiful indeed. But not only that, it's a holy place. Why? You see, because that's where the presence of God can be found. It's a holy place. It teaches us in verse 27 of Revelation 21 that nothing that defiles ever enters into it and someone says you know but what about when we get to heaven we have been defiled oh no we have been washed by the blood of the lamb we're no longer defiled we have been forgiven and therefore not even that which make a lie can enter into this place called heaven it's a large place it's a beautiful place it's a holy place it is the land that is fairer than day. You know that our, you know that who lives there? Real people live in this real place called heaven. Uh, that's right. Jesus says, I will come again. And he's real, right? He said, I will come again for you and take you to heaven. You people, you real people are going to heaven with a new body that's better than this. A body that's better than this. But who will be in heaven? Well, the souls of the saved that are found in one place, and that is in this place called heaven. 1 Corinthians 15. It's a reminder of the new body that our souls will possess. But we remember that there was a man named Lazarus who died. And where did he go? But to the paradise of God. Where was that great gulf? And there, and there we find this great gulf fixed between he and that rich man, according to Luke, the 16th chapter. And Jesus said, this man 
poor Lazarus who died faithful to God rested in Abraham's bosom. He'd never known, known or maybe except read about Abraham, but he never knew Abraham. But here he is in Abraham's bosom. He was the same man, the same man in a real place. Luke 16. We will be in a real place and we will possess new bodies. But how wonderful it will be to gain this place called heaven. A land that is fairer than day. Now Jesus says, I've gone to prepare this place for you. I'm going to take care of this for you. And by faith, you can come here. You know that faith implies obedience to God's will, doesn't it? Yep. Heaven is for those who come to God's appointed way. And Jesus established what that is. In that same context of John 14, when he said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, what is one of the most wonderful blessings about heaven? Was that when you sing the sweet by and by, you're reminded that, we'll, that we will offer to the Father a tribute of praise. Isn't that what it says there in that song? A tribute of praise. There it will be face to face. We can't behold him right now, but there we shall see him face to face. In 1 John 3 and verse 2, and so it is that we will offer our tribute of praise continually to him in some form or another, whether it's through the songs that we sing, through the work that we do, through the blessings of, that we offer to him, we will offer a tribute of praise, it says. And therefore, the greatest blessing of heaven is this, is that it is the presence of God is there. The light of Jesus himself is there. No need for the sun, no need for the moon, no need for the stars of the first heaven. But Jesus is that light. And so what may be the greatest thing about going to heaven? Well, the greatest thing about going to heaven is the fact that we can even go there. To think about it. We can go there. Oh, I want to be free from pain. Not to see death anymore. I want to look upon the face of Jehovah God. I want to be with my loved ones. But heaven really means nothing if I miss it. At least to me personally. The wonderful thing about heaven is this. The land that is fairer than day. And that which comes in the sweet by and by is this. I can go there. Let me say that a different way. You can go there. That's right. We can all go to this place called heaven. I don't know what greater motivation there could be, motivation there could be, than to know that we can enjoy this place throughout all eternity called heaven. When we get discouraged, you've been let down. If you need a song in the night, <laughs> think about this song. Sweet by and by. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. When is that going to be? In the sweet by and by. It will happen sooner than we expect, no doubt. 
but the sweet by and by will take place. Are you ready for that sweet by and by? That land that is fairer than day? Are you ready to go to heaven? Not. Why not? You see, Christ came to this earth to give us that hope. He came seeking to save those who are lost. That's you and me. To be able to give us that hope of being able to go to heaven one day if only we will follow his divine will. What are we going to do? Well, we've got to have faith. We already talked about those Old Testament characters and how they were able to see heaven afar off. It was by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But we can see heaven is not that far away. It's close by. All we have to do is have faith and believe in that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or else we're going to die in our sins, John 8, 24. We need to repent of those past sins, to turn away from them. They've been steering us in the wrong direction for all this time. We need to start going in the right direction. And repentance will lead us in that direction. Oh, 180 degrees, right? Luke 13, 3, Acts 17, 30. And then we also understand that we have to make the confession of that sweet name of Jesus. Romans 10, 10. And then after that confession, we go down into the waters of baptism to have those sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. To be able to have the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. To be able to be added to the Lord's church, Acts 2, 47. And then to be able to live faithfully unto that end, whatever, if it's our life or Christ comes back, to know that heaven is that land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. Do you have the faith in believing that and that to become a child of God? Maybe as a child of God, you wandered away. Come back. Be right. Be restored. Whatever it might take. Maybe you just need the prayers of the church. We're here for you. We're all a big family. God's family. But it's up to you to make that decision. To do that even tonight. As we sing this song one time again. The sweet by and by. As together we stand and sing.